0: Thank you, Ron. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn with me today to the Book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 12, Book of Psalms. I've really appreciated Ron's ministry and the pianist and organist. Uh, they're sharing with us, and someone thinks that the evangelists have the hard work to do, but it's these musicians who've got the hard job. They have to do multiple services and planning. So let's let's give them some appreciation today. <clears throat> I will say that Ron and I have two different visions for today. He's singing, let there be showers of blessings, and I'm praying, Lord, don't let it rain till the end of camp. (laughs) So we'll have to get together and work that out. Um, Psalm 12, beginning of verse 1, we're going to read the whole psalm together. Help, O Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing. The faithful have vanished from the earth. Neighbors lie to each other, speaking with flattering lips and deceitful hearts. May the Lord cut off their flattering lips and silence their boastful tongues. They say we will lie to our hearts content, our lips are our own, and who can stop us? The Lord replies, I have seen violence done to the helpless. I have heard the groans of the poor, and now I'll rise up to rescue them as they have longed for me to do. The Lord's promises are pure, like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times over. Therefore, Lord, we know you will protect the oppressed, preserving them forever from this lying generation, even though the wicked uh, strut about, and evil is praised throughout the land. I want to focus our time this morning together in the Word on that verse 1, help, O Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing. What a sobering verse of scripture. The godly, the righteous, are fastly disappearing. <clears throat> well, today is kind of a special day uh, in my life. And uh, I say this today because I have someone special watching today. Uh, as she has been watching. Is my wife, Cheryl. And uh, she's online today, but today is our 33rd anniversary, and uh, we're not together today. So uh, we're celebrating that special occasion. I had hoped that she would be here with me today, and uh, uh, her mother-in-law had to have, my mother-in-law had to have knee surgery, so she's with her, taking care of her and helping her recover. So we'll be praying for Norma as well. Uh, but I've just been kind of thinking the last 24 hours about what we were doing 33 years ago. And uh, getting ready to, to be to be married and to pledge our love to each other and to uh, jump into ministry together, which we've done now for full full time for 33 uh, full time years. Well, there's something else I was thinking about last night as I as Lord was kind of giving me this kind of thought that I want to share with you today about the godly who are disappearing. I began to think about in those 33 years, the number of companies and products that I've seen in my lifetime that are no longer with us, that have vanished. Have you thought about this? Now, I, I remember hearing people that I thought were older who, were, who would talk about this years ago. Now I realize I am an older person because I'm, I'm now looking back saying, remember when there was this? Remember when we had that? And Remember this? It was a great invention, and now it's no more. It's disappeared. And particularly some of the companies I, I just wrote down, and you could probably think of a lot more today, companies that have disappeared since uh, 1989 how about Toys R Us? How many of you shopped? You lived at Toys R Us around Christmas This doesn't exist anymore. It's just disappeared. Compact computers. Did anyone have a compact computer? Can't buy them anymore. They're gone. They disappeared. How about this one? Blockbuster, blockbuster video. Remember that? You used to get a, go get a video, check it out, had to come back. If you forgot, late fees. Remember all that kind of stuff? Crazy. It's gone. How about Kodak? This is one of my favorite ones because... Uh, I live in East Tennessee and uh, Eastman uh, is a corporation there. It's kind of a uh, chemical company now, but it used to be Eastman Kodak Company. They dropped the Kodak because Kodak doesn't exist anymore. and It's kind of embarrassing for the people in East Tennessee because, I don't know if you have the story behind that, but they came up with an invention. and There were some people in the Kodak Company who came up with this idea called uh, the the, the video kind of cameras, the the electronic camera, you know, uh, digital cameras. And the board decided, that's a dumb idea. Who would ever buy one of those, okay? And they didn't pivot uh, in Kodak. And so someone else took the idea and ran with it. And now everyone has a digital camera. Their phones, digital cameras, is about all we have. But now Kodak's disappeared. It's gone. How about uh, the, these, all, all these places like Radio Shack? Remember that place where you used to go and buy, buy things? Now you just uh, order them online, you know, Amazon? Sears. Man, that's one of my biggest regrets. I mean, I I used to love to go to Sears and go in the tool section, and now you can't go to Sears anymore. Chrysler, Circuit City. Here's the one that grieves me the most, Hostess. I mean, what a tragedy. Just disappeared, right? You know, a lot of cheap imitations. But these things are, these are things that we saw that were normal. They were just part of everyday life, and now all of a sudden, Within those 33 years that Cheryl and I have been married, a lot of these companies and the other ones are gone, and that's not even talking about the products that we've gone through. Uh, I remember when we first got married, the invention of the cassette tape, right? And that was just like amazing, right? Because it did outlive the 8-track tape and, and all these kind of things. But we live in a world, that, a universe, that so many of the commonplace things are dwindling, declining, or altogether disappearing. And think about, in the next 33 years, the things that are just normal today that will no longer be in existence in the future. And I'm reminded of this verse of Scripture in Psalm 12, verse 1. Help, O Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing. And I read that the other night in my quiet time, and I've not been able to get my mind off that verse of Scripture. Help, O oh Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing. Now, I can be honest with you. I'm saddened, but I can, I can live without hostess, right? But we can't live without the godly. I can't live this life without understanding that God's called me to a life of godliness and righteousness and holiness and the difference that that makes in my life and in our lives. In Malachi chapter 7, verses 2 and verse 7, it says this, the godly people have all disappeared. Not one honest person is left on the earth. They are all murderers, setting traps, even for their own brothers. Verse seven, but as for me, I look to the Lord for my help. I wait confidently for God to serve me, and my God will certainly hear me. Both David and Malachi are, 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 are sounding this alarm. There are things that are disappearing, and the most tragic of those things that are disappearing is that the godly are fast disappearing and malachi is going to go a little farther and say this the godly have disappeared they've all disappeared and it's sad when the godly are gone and the faithful are fading and what you get is what we're seeing living in these godless days that we're living in doctor John's been been teaching us through 2 Timothy and, and we're we're seeing about this increasingly evil and wicked days that we're living in what it'll be like in the signs of the end of times. And and in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1-9, he talked about uh, those those lists of things that would be prevalent. The godly will be disappearing in those days. Matthew 24, verse 12, Jesus talked about in the last days, uh, the godly will, will will appear to be disappearing, right? ungodliness will be on the increase godliness will be on the decrease they'll be disappearing and it leaves us in a tremendous challenge what do we do when we're living in the days where the godly are disappearing psalm 16 verse 3 says this the godly people in the land are my true heroes and i take pleasure in them what do we do when the these the godly are god's true heroes what do we do when the heroes are gone? And I feel that today. Do you? I mean, think back on the last 33 years of Camp Syker and the, the godly people that would have been in this room, in this tabernacle in those 33 years who are no longer with us and they've gone on to Beulah Land. Think about the influence of these godly people in our lives and I think about Godly loved ones in my life who faithfully prayed for me everywhere I went and and for my calling and, and that God would use me and the number of godly people in my life that are no longer here on earth but are in heaven. And what do we do? Where do we fill in the gaps of the godly that are seemingly disappearing? And the tragedy is that we can become often discouraged by the discovery of the disappearing of the godly instead of being diligent to be found faithful with God. Help, Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing. Now, I want to ask myself this question. i love to ask this question, why? Why is the godly disappearing? Because when you think about it, there are babies born every day. There are new believers being brought into the church every day. And so, theoretically, as some of the saints are going on to glory and some of these godly men and women have, have passed from this life to the next life, there should be another class coming up through uh, to help us. But the godly appear to be fastly disappearing. And I want to ask why. And the more I ask that question about why the godly are disappearing, the more I began to ask. Myself I more begin to look through the scripture about some of the requirements of living a godly life. And I think this is where we'll find our answer about why the godly are fastly disappearing. We could call this a scriptural dissection of the disappearance of godliness. A scriptural dissection, as John was teaching the other day, let's just let the scripture kind of speak to us today and and I just went through the scriptures and looked at some of the instructions for the godly and and you see the standard that God's laid out for us in terms of godliness then we begin to understand why it is that people look at this list and the day we're living in this as ungodliness is on the increase and we begin to realize that no there's a lot of people don't want to pay the price they don't want to count the cost of what it means to be godly let me just share a few verses of scripture with you today as we just talk about this spiritual dissection of the disappearance of godliness write down number one uh, psalm chapter 4 verse 3 It says you can be sure of this the lord set apart the godly for himself The lord will answer when I call to him first thing I, I noticed that the scripture says about the godly is that the lord has, has set these individuals apart The word holy is is a word that's described as being set apart in the hebrew language It means to set aside or to set apart for a specific, specific purpose. And when we talk about being holy, what we're talking about in these days of camp meeting uh, and, and, and living a life of the, that we're being set apart, not just to come together for camp for 10 days and enjoy being together with a group of Christians and, and talking about the holy life, but we're talking about being set apart. God has set apart and challenged us as holy men and women of God to be set apart. And the problem is that, that we're living in a day that well, we'd like to have uh, God as a part of our life, but we don't want to be set apart for God. You see, there's a difference there. We, can, we want a, a piece of God. and We want to be able to call upon God in the day of trouble. We, we want to be like the Psalms here. talks about when, when in this time of trouble, calling on God for help. And we want to be able to call upon God. We want a, God as a part of our lives, but we don't want to be set apart for God and his design and his purposes in our life. Second Timothy chapter two verses twenty and twenty-one in the Amplified Bible it says this: Now in a large house there are not only vessels of gold and objects of gold and silver, but also vessels and objects of wood and of earthenware, and some are honorable, noble, or good use, and some for dishonorable, ignoble, igno- igno- or uncommon. Therefore, if any man cleanses himself from these things which are dishonorable and disobedient and sinful, in other words, being set apart. He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, set apart for a special purpose, and useful to the master, prepared for every good work. And that's one of the reasons why the godly are disappearing. We are not committed to this idea of being sanctified and being set apart for God's purposes and for God's use. Number one, the godly are set apart. Number two, Psalm chapter 37, verse 21 and 26 It says this, the wicked borrow and never repay. But the godly are generous givers. Verse 26, the godly always give generous loans to others. And here's another reason why I think the godly are are, are fastly disappearing. It's because God's called the godly to be generous. Not to be self-centered. Not to be about me and what my wants are and what my needs are. God's called and equipped the, the the godly to be generous people. Do you think back to some of the saints that we remember well? They lived modest, simple lives, but they carried the camp meeting. They 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 sacrificed. They had a spirit of generosity. And that doesn't fly in a self-centered world, does it? When, when the world, all the advertising of the world is, it's, it's about you and you deserve this and you need this and, and if I just had this, it'll bring happiness. If I just had that, if I just get this whole series, if I, I have all these things, then I'll, I'll be happy. And, and what you're left with is a group of people, again, who've not been set apart for God, but want a part of God, and they, they're pursuing the things that they think will make them happy rather than the saints, the godly, those who have often disappeared from days of old, were generous people. The godly are are generous. And there's a lot of people that don't want to give more than what they receive. The third verse of scripture I noticed as I read through the, the Bible about the godly dissecting this disappearance of the godly was that Psalm 37, verse 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly, and he delights in every detail of their lives. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Or some translations say he shall direct your steps. The third thing I began to realize is why many of the godly are so quickly disappearing is the godly allow their steps to be directed by the Lord. They're the ones, and there are very few people who want to pray this today. they don't want to be like Jesus who say, "Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Lord, take my life, use it, whatever, wherever, whenever, however you want to use me. I'm available to you, whatever you see fit, whatever you see, the need that you have. Lord, here's my life. Would you direct my steps?" I've been greatly influenced by Dr. David Stevens, who's been a mentor for me for years, and, and I remember Dr. Stevens always saying. You can't steer a parked car. And there are a lot of people who are trying to, they've parked their, their car, they've put it uh, in, in, in park, and they're praying, God, direct my steps. But rather, as Brandon was saying this morning, we're supposed to be in keeping in step with the Spirit of God. And, and sometimes we've got to just begin to drive. And we don't know where we're heading in this journey of godliness. And sometimes we just got to begin to take it out of park and put it in drive and, and start moving and say, God, lead me and God, direct me. Lord, I'm submitting myself to you. And Lord, would you just direct my steps? And by the way, a lot of reasons why a lot of people are uncomfortable with that is because it puts God behind the driver's the wheel of the, of, of the car directing our steps. Most of us would rather be in charge of where we're going and what we're doing. And so we don't want to surrender our lives to God. Now, as long as we can cut a deal, as long as we can negotiate, and we can say, okay, God, I'll do this as long as you do this, this, and this. Or if you'll, if you'll do this, then I'll be willing to do this. And it's all about a negotiation. Listen, there's no negotiating in godliness. Do you realize that? It's a, it's a full surrender. It's saying, God, here's my life, whatever you want from me, however you can use me. I had no idea the things that God would call me to do when I first surrendered my life to him, but I put the car of my life and drive and God's been leading and directing my steps and I'm thankful for these last 33 years that Cheryl and I've had together and we've been able to follow God in ministry and to do his will in our lives and other people may sometimes look at it and go, "Well, that's crazy, you went from here to here to here to here to here to here to that and I can look back and I can see God's hand in all of it. I can see how God used this to prepare me for this, and I could have never done that over there if it hadn't been for these steps that God had led me in. But all the while committing myself to this idea, Lord, I want to be, here's my life, whatever you call me to do, however you want to use me, just direct my steps. It's an obstacle in the world that wants to be independent in their own way. John chapter 9, verse 31 says this, We know that God does not listen to the sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will now by the way let me just say this in terms of some of you maybe here at camp praying for the next step right god show me what you want me to do show me you're you're sensing this the kind of turmoil in your life well let me just kind of give you a practical tip that i've learned through the years don't he's not going to give you the next step till you do the current step amen and, and, and sometimes we're like, okay, well, this is what God's calling me to do. But Lord, show me the next step. Show me the, show me the three steps down the road. Show me what that is. And, and then if you, if you kind of see the whole plan, then I'll be willing to do it. No, nope. uh, we're talking about, you know, uh, the Lord's in the driver's seat. Sometimes I think actually he's actually put us there and he's in, he's in the past. Saying, okay, here's the directions. Turn. You turn. Because sometimes we like to override that, don't we? And, and so... The third uh, reason why I think the godly are, are, are disappearing so quickly is because they don't want to trust God for the steps of their life. Number four, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. It says this, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Steve and I were on the front row the other day talking about his, I think he has a cousin that's uh, a model, another cousin weight weightlifter, and he's got this amazingly stocked body and, and, and we were, Steve was saying you know, I, could, I could look like that, you know and, uh, and we were saying, yeah, we could but we don't want to do the work that gets involved in getting there, right? I mean, uh, uh, when this idea of uh, being healthy, right? We could all be healthy right, if we wanted to, but a lot of times we just look at what's required to get there and we're like, ah, wish Hostess was still around here, right? <laughs> and, and we just don't do what it takes. And there are a lot of people who today, we talk about godliness and righteousness and holiness. A lot of people say, man, I want that. Man, that's really good. And then Dr. John talks about reading the Bible and just getting in the Word and, and getting into the meat of things and, and, and not just the, the milk of the Word and, and stuff that has meaning to it. And we're like, ah, you know, I got a lot going on today. And so I better read my little devotional. I'm working on a, a new book. I got a new book that's coming out this this fall on leadership. Um, but I, my next one I want to write is a book, a daily devotional, and it's it's the difference. I'm calling it it's the, the devotional is going to be called "Dig In," and the concept of the devotional is the difference between a shovel and a spoon. The difference between a shovel and a spoon. Dig in, because most of us in our devotional life we get the spoon out. It's like we're little children, we're infants, we're, we're babies in Christ. And our, our, our mothers are, are, are taking the baby jar food, and we're taking the little spoon. It's a little spoon, and we kind of spoon-feed them, and we act like the train's coming, and here it is, and here's something cute and something nice, and we spoon-feed them. And most of the devotions that, that we read today are just kind of spoon-fed. Here's your, here's your one-paragraph thought. Here's your one-sentence verse of Scripture, and here's your quote for the day. Now, go be spiritual and go be godly. I believe God wants us to take some scriptures and just dig into his word. Move out of the, the, you see, the godly are training themselves in godliness and in righteousness. And it's a workout. It's every day. It's a commitment to a life of godliness. It's not just, okay, man, I hope the the pastor's prayed up on Sunday. I hope he's been studying. I hope he's been spending time with God. Because I could really use a word of encouragement today. Really? Then get in the word. Study the Word of God. Grab the shovel yourself and start digging into the Word of God. And one of the reasons why the godly are so fastly disappearing is so few of us spend much time in the Word of God, feeding and nourishing and disciplining ourselves under righteousness, godliness, and a holiness. Number five, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, if any believer is overcome by sin... Now, I wish the rest of this didn't go on, right? I wish there wasn't another part of this verse here, right? Don't you you wish you could kind of just cross this one out, not underline it, but cross it out. You wish you could do that, but you can't do that. It says, if a believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. How many of you don't like that verse of Scripture? (laughs) That means when someone steps off the path and they begin to veer, to the left, or to the right, and they're not walking in the straight and narrow, that those of us who are godly have to care enough to confront. We have to care enough about their eternal destiny, about the work of God in their life, about the work of the Holy Spirit in their life, that we are trusting God to be vessels and to help people be accountable to stay on the proper path. So often in Christian circles and even in holiness circles, we would rather criticize the sin we see in others than carefully confront those sins in Christian love. And we would rather look the other way than to look them in the eyes and speak truth to them and say, I care about you, brother. I care about you, sister. I'm concerned about the path you're on. Why, isn't, why are so many people disappearing from the, the list of godly people because we're called to, to confront caringly lovingly number six titus chapter 2 verse 11 through 14 for the grace of god has been revealed bringing salvation to all people and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures we should live in this evil world with wisdom with righteousness and devotion to god while we are looking forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Lord Jesus, will be revealed. <clears throat> and in Bible study this morning, we were talking about this idea of how in the last days, they'll care more about pleasure than they do about godliness. They'll care more about their itching ears and what's pleasurable to them than what it is uh, to, to live a life of holiness. And, and one of the things that God's called us to do as the godly is this. The godly deny worldly lust and worldly pleasures. We've been set apart, remember? We've been called to be different. We've been called to stand up and and to to give an account and, and to not just be about what's pleasing to me and what would bring pleasure to me, but to deny, to say no. And I think about a person like Moses who chose the ways of God rather than choosing the pleasures of Egypt. That was a conscious decision that he made to not to just enjoy my status, enjoy all the servings, and the servants who are coming to make my life better. He chose God's ways. He chose God's steps. He chose God's path and trusted him. But we have we are called as godly to deny worldly lust and worldly pleasures. But, oh, man, the world offers so much. And when I weigh those things out sometimes, denying myself and taking up my cross daily and following him and Man, those pleasures, those cushy things of life. No wonder the godly are quickly disappearing. Romans 6 verse 19, because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using this illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever ever deeply into sin. But now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you can become holy. Why are the godly so quickly disappearing? Because no one wants to deny themselves and the worldly lust. Number seven, second Timothy chapter three, verse twelve. The godly will suffer persecution. Wow. Yes, and every everyone who wants to live a godly life. In Christ Jesus. Now I do wish this word didn't appear too. It says will suffer persecution well those two words are game changers aren't they i mean man i want to i want to be a follower of god and i want to i want to be i want to be godly and and i want god to bless my life as long as god's blessing my life and pouring out his blessings in my life and as long as god is answering my prayers when i call on him and when i got a sick loved one and and i pray and he answers i'm all in By the way, and I don't know if I'll speak on this, I've been praying about it, but while I'm here, the Lord's taught me a lot about suffering in the last two years. And I've learned a lot in those seasons of suffering. And what I've realized is most Christians don't have a very good theology of suffering. Our theology of suffering is, Lord, help me, help us, save this, save me, get me out of this. And, And what we realize, the more you dig into the Scripture, is that the Lord... Teaches us and perfects us and makes us holy and makes us godly through times and seasons of suffering. But we want an easy life. We want the staples easy button. Now that was easy. <laughs> we don't want hardship. We don't want pain. We'll run from persecution. Peter would say in, in his word that don't be surprised, <laughs> that, that, don't be unaware of the sufferings of followers of Christ. Psalm 34 verse nine is the last reason. Fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. And the Bible teaches us time and time again, I don't have enough time to even give all the scriptures of all these principles today, but the godly fear the Lord. And can I tell you why I think sin is so rampant in our culture and ungodliness is on the increase? Because we become a generation that no longer fears the Lord. We've lost the fear of standing before God and giving an account of the things that we've done in this lifetime. And so we pursue our earthly pleasures, our own intentions. We drive the car of our life wherever we want it to go. And we do whatever we want to do. Because the current popular, itchy ear teaching of the day is that God loves you. And that's true. That God wants the best for you. That's true. God wants you to be happy. And we don't like this stuff about fearing the Lord. Why are the godly disappearing? Here's what I think. Because the godly are called to be set apart. The godly are called to be generous. The godly allow their steps to be directed by the Lord. The godly are training themselves in righteousness. The godly are willing to confront sin in their own lives and the lives of other people. The godly will intentionally deny worldly lusts and passions. The godly are willing to suffer persecutions. And the godly have a sense of the fear of the Lord, and it guides and directs their steps. I was reminded of Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 30 and 32. It says this, and I looked for someone. I looked for someone, I looked for one, who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. So God's saying, man, I was looking, I was searching, hoping that, that not all the godly wouldn't be gone, that they wouldn't all have disappeared, and if I could just find one person willing to be godly, I'll save the land. But I found no one. But I found no one. So now I will pour out my fury, the Lord said, on them, consuming them with the fire of my anger. I will heap on their heads the full penalty of their sins. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. He looked for one. Now, while we're quickly discouraged today, And defeated by the godly that are disappearing, don't get caught up in the numbers. Because I believe that God's still looking on the wall for one who'll be godly and live a life of righteousness. It disturbs me what I see taking place in our culture, it grieves me when I read the news. It grieves me last night when I got a report uh, from the CMDA. The CMDA just uh, sued the federal government, and won. We've won the last two steps of this injunction because the federal government right now is trying to make it mandatory that you do. If, if you're a doctor and you don't do transition surgeries for someone to, to the to the gender that they want to be, and you have a right of conscience and your Christian faith says that. Uh, that you, you, you can't do that, it's, it's, not, it's against your conscience or what you believe biblically. The current administration has, has been uh, kind of creating a, an atmosphere that they're promising to, to destroy your malpractice insurance, take that away, and to take your license if you won't do those things. And so far, we've been fighting that in the federal government, in the court system, we've won those two injunctions. And, and right now, the only place you're safe to be is a part of this Christian medical Dental. If you're a doctor, if you're a member of our medical organization, then you are protected under this, this clause right now. <clears throat> but I heard last night that the, <clears throat> the House and Senate are running a bill through that will make it mandatory that every doctor do transition surgeries. Man, that upsets me. <clears throat> And sometimes it leaves me thinking, let's, let's just quit. There are all these evil forces. <clears throat> Ungodliness is on the increase in the day we're living in. And what difference can we make? What, what difference can those of us here this morning, <clears throat> on a Friday morning at Camp Syker in 2022, what kind of difference can we make in the kingdom of God? Remember, God's looking for One. Keep in mind that as the number of ungodly appear to disappear, one godly person can make an eternal difference in our culture. When I feel like Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, and I feel like I'm the only one left, I'm ready to quit. God reminds us that we're not alone. And God's calling us to be that faithful witness for him and to continue to live a godly life. Keep this in mind, and I wish I had more time to to go into this deeper, but just keep this in mind, and you can dig into this a little bit later on today. One man was saved because he was righteous. Lot, in 2 Peter 2, verse 7. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. God saved one man because he was godly. Second, I would point out to you that one righteous man saved his entire family. If you look at the story of Noah in Genesis chapter 6 and Genesis chapter 7, the Bible records this fact that Noah was a godly man, and God spared the life of Noah and his entire family as he destroyed the earth for the increase of wickedness that was all over the face of the earth. One man, because he was righteous, saved his own life. God spared him. One man was saved and his entire family, Noah, And one man can save a city. You think about the story of Abraham in Genesis chapter 18. He was negotiating, and and Lord, if 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 God was going to destroy the city, just like he was going to in Ezekiel, and he said, Lord, let me just, I hate to ask this question, but if I could find 50 righteous people, if I could find 50 godly people, would you spare the city? Are you kidding me? 50 people? We got 50 people in this room here this morning. If we could find 50 people, uh, would you spare the city? And God said, okay, 50 people, I'll spare the city. I didn't realize there wasn't any. How about 45, 40, 30? There's just one. And there weren't any. But one would have changed the course of history. Psalm 12, verse 1. Help, O Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing, and the faithful have vanished from the earth. Malachi chapter 7, verses 2 and 7. The godly people have all disappeared, and not one honest person is left on the earth. They are all murderers, setting up traps even for their own brothers. But as to me, I will look to the Lord for help. I will wait confidently for God to save me, and my God will certainly hear me. Now, at the beginning of the message, I pointed out two things that were similar, almost the same, in both these passages of Scripture. Both David and Malachi point out to us that the godly are fast disappearing, or Malachi says they have already disappeared; they're gone. But the solution is the same in both of them: help, Lord. Help, Lord. If you look up in the uh, the Hebrew, the help means to be saved in a battle. David and Malachi are saying, uh, "You know, I've got the, the godly are, are fastly disappearing." And, 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 and Malachi is saying, they're already gone. They, they've disappeared. That's a past tense. They're, they're already gone. Help, Lord. Help, Lord. In fact, you read the Psalm 12. I don't have time to do it again, but if you go back through and you read verses 5 down, it, it almost sounds like the children of Israel crying out for help, and God's heard their prayers, he's seen their oppression, and he's come down to deliver them. He's come down to do something to get them out of this situation, to protect them from what they're facing help lord that means to be saved in a battle it means to be victorious it means to be saved from moral troubles in times of great pressure to be preserved under these seasons of great pressure how do we live out and protect the godly from disappearing we cry help we ask god to fight the battles for us in 2nd timothy chapter 3 verse 5 we're studying this week in bible study It says in the New Living Translation, they will reject the power to make them godly. And I want to tell you this today as I close. You can't live a holy and godly life without the help of the Holy Spirit. So if you're discouraged today and you're defeated and you are discovering that it appears that the the, The godly are disappearing from the face of the earth. Instead of being discouraged, be diligent. To be faithful. David said the godly are quickly fading away and the faithful are now fading. But to us, he says, cry for help. And God will send the Holy Spirit. God never intended it for us. To leave these grounds, whether you're leaving today or tomorrow or Sunday, God never intended you to decide, okay, I'm going to give myself a pep talk. And I've been around God's holy people, and I've been around some preaching and some Bible teaching and around God's saints, and you know what I'm going to do? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to psych myself up, and I'm going to go live a holy and godly life and try it. My guess is some of you won't make it home. But if today we say, help, help, Lord, with your power, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I desire to be one, one godly man, one godly woman, one godly young person, to stand up for truth and to be counted. Father, would you hear my prayer this morning? Would you help us understand today why the godly are so quickly disappearing? And would you make us willing and committed to being one godly follower, faithful follower of you in these days we live in. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Would you stand with me? Let's respond in our our hearts and our spirits. Sing this together. Pass me not, O gentle Savior, Hear my humble cry, while on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. at the throne of mercy, find a sweet relief, kneeling there in deep contrition, help my
2: Jesus, we are grateful that your grace is strong enough to meet us in our ungodliness. That as we practice what we just sang, when we humble ourselves before you, that the work of your Spirit is continually transforming us so that our lives reflect your holiness so that we embrace the path of a godly life to bear witness to a world desperately in need of it. And so, God, we, we give humble thanks for the ways you are continuing to transform us. And we pray, God, that you would encourage and empower us as we kind of come to the closing days of this camp and begin to think a little bit more of what we go home to, Would you embolden us as your holy people to live godly lives in such a way that it makes the good news of the gospel look attractive and compelling? Would you uh, encourage us when it seems like there is not a godly person in our workplace or in our neighborhood or in our home or in our schools? Would you encourage us, God, to be faithful to you Filled with gratitude because you are faithful to us. God, thank you for the ways you are at work. We continue surrendering to your ongoing work. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.